Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Lauren Winans, CEO and Principal HR Consultant of Next Level Benefits, a nationally certified HR consulting practice. Lauren brings over 20 years of HR and employee benefits experience with a deep expertise and understanding of HR best practices and getting to the heart of what truly matters for employees. She founded Next Level Benefits in 2019, built around a mission of providing HR teams with access to former C-suite HR professionals available on demand and when their peers of the HR community need them most. Now, Lauren first joined the HR Works podcast back in November of 2023, where she was our featured guest on episode 263. It's showtime, making your open enrollment a success. And she provided great advice for HR leaders looking to navigate a successful and productive open enrollment process. Today, we're fortunate to have Lauren back on as part of HR Daily Advisors HR Compliance Week. And Lauren will be appearing as a featured panelist for HR Daily Advisors live panel discussion, Future Proofed HR, all about adapting HR compliance to the modern workforce. And by the time this episode drops, that session will be available for on-demand viewing on hrdailyadvisor.com. So I highly encourage checking that one out after this episode. But in keeping with that theme of compliance, I only found it fitting to have Lauren help us take a closer look at a specific compliance trend that we're seeing becoming increasingly prominent and impacting the hiring process and attracting top talent. And that's the practice of pay transparency. Before we dig into that, let's get Lauren introduced. So Lauren, welcome back to the HR Work Podcast and thanks for coming back on. Thank you, Josh. Really happy to be back. Always looking forward to having great conversation about the HR world. So happy to be here. Well, it's great to have you back. It's great to pick up our conversation. I usually wrap up my first conversations with guests saying I want to keep that conversation going. So whenever we can make good on that, it's a great thing and I always love it. Awesome. I'm ready to roll. I'm so excited about this topic. Beautiful. Well, look, to keep that conversation going, first thing I'd love to do is just pick up where we left off. So what's something new that you've been focused on in your consultancy work at Next Level Benefits since we last connected in early November? Oh, gosh. You know, we really had a lot thrown at us last year. Um, You know, 2023 felt like it was definitely, you know, a year where we kind of expanded in all areas of our practice. I would say one area that got quite a bit of traction last year was really our interim support services. So what we were finding was we have, you know, a lot of clients and potential clients who are HR teams, ultimately, who were struggling with bandwidth, who were ending up, you know, having a lot on their plate from their day job perspective, but also having a lot of special projects that needed to be done. So we really kind of ramped up our interim talent support project work. And so that kind of looks like, you know, one of our HR experts coming into the mix being extra hands, helping an HR team in whatever capacity is needed. And, you know, we found some really great results. The outcomes have been fantastic. And we hope to continue to do more of that in 2024. You know, we do anything from projects to interim support to even outsourced arrangements. And so it's been nice to be able to kind of fill that gap for HR teams. And it's something that, you know, when I started this business almost five years ago, I wanted to achieve, but I didn't know how the market would respond. But what's been great is I really think 2023 was a year where HR had a moment, a brief moment to breathe and to recalibrate and to identify how to leverage third party partners in a way that can make them more effective. So it was great to see. Yeah, it was a great year to 
figure out, okay, what are these steps going forward? So to hear again that your team at Next Level Benefits were able to really be a part of that decision-making process for so many HR teams of, okay, we found the ground under us, it's settled. Now let's take that step forward. What a great time to be involved in the HR community and really shaping the future of the workforce. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I consistently see year over year is HR teams, HR leaders feeling more and more comfortable thinking about their own team's workforce strategy. How are we going to leverage our vendors? How are we going to leverage our full-time employees? And how do we leverage contractors and consultants in a different way? So it's really nice to see. I think year over year, it's only going to get better. That is great. Great to hear. Now, look, before we started recording, we were catching up. And I mentioned that we're at this unique opportunity recording in early 2024 that we can still look back to 2023 and really summarize the year. And I'm a big proponent, too, of you really don't know where you're going until you know where you came from. So I think let's use that opportunity to still look back. So how would you best summarize this past year for HR professionals and people operations professionals in the community? I hate to say dumpster fire, but I will because, you know, I really think that 2020, 2021 and 2022 were really about pandemic times and getting adjusted to remote work, hybrid work, changing processes and practices for on-site teams, finding new ways to leverage technology, recalibrating essentially, because the future of work was upon us. It was here. Right. Um, and so 2023, I feel like was some additional fallout, you know, from some organizations that might be a little slower to make some changes or to adopt some different practices. And so in combination with that, you know, it felt like, you know, the economy with inflation was also like applying that pressure from a budget perspective. HR teams already are lean, having them have to be even leaner and doing more work. And then on top of that, you know, people were finally able to pick their heads up a little bit here and be a little more strategic and think proactively about maybe some projects that they had put on the back burner. So the reason why I say dumpster fire is because it really does feel like there was so much thrown at HR teams in 2023 because there was some external pressure as well as some internal evolution that just kind of all came at a head at the exact same time. And so I like to always look at the the optimistic side of things. And I know that 2024 is going to be a better year for HR teams. I see 2024 as really an opportunity for HR teams to kind of really refocus themselves on the things that matter and deepening the employee engagement and supporting organizational goals in new ways. Yeah, so well said. You were taking a realistic look at 2023. I think as you were explaining it, right, 2020 through 2022, it was a bit of a survive and advance approach for organizations, not just HR teams, just trying to get through and, and really keep things going. 2023 was the opportunity where we saw a lot of teams and organizations take those steps or attempt to take steps forward and make moves for the future. And in some cases, you saw a reaction to that and pivoting. I think return to office is a great example of that. As you saw teams come out and make their return to office plans and what their future of the workforce was going to be. And then having to maybe adjust or pivot off of that based on employee reaction, based on the market. So there was a lot of change that went through in 2023 as teams were trying to take those steps forward and figure out the new process where, again, 2020 through 2022, that was just survival mode. It really was. You know, it's so hard to believe that that was not that long ago because right. it feels like it was a decade ago already. But yeah, it's one of those things that 
every industry was upended, right? But I think HR just got hit in a very unique and powerful way that I really think is really going to shape how the next you know, handful of years look for the industry itself. It's all for the good. It's just a matter of everyone getting their footing again, like you said, and really being able to identify what the priorities are and how to focus your time. Yeah, really well said. Now, that idea of adjusting to new processes and adjusting to new trends, there's not a better way to look at one of the trends we're seeing in the workforce, in the HR space right now, in the hiring space. And that's that trend of pay transparency. And that was one I wanted to dig in with you today. Again, as part of HR Compliance Week on HR Daily Advisor, something we've really seen emerge across the workforce has been pay transparency. And we're seeing it even in certain states where it's become mandated. At the time we're having this conversation, I want to say it's eight states that have required disclosure of pay in the hiring process. So with that, how has the growth and embrace of pay transparency impacted the hiring process and talent marketplace as we start this new year? Yeah, it's definitely streamlined the recruiting process, right? Because you're essentially setting clear expectations on what salary is going to be for a particular position. And I think in turn, that really narrows the applicant pool to those who are truly interested in the role. You know, you're always going to have people who are applying just to apply. But I do think that when someone can really say, okay, this is a HR director position at, you know, X, you know, salary, okay. Can I bring my expertise to the table to add value to this organization? Is this a fair compensation that I'm used to having? The other thing, too, and I think HR people above all kind of know this, is that from organization to organization, different titles might not necessarily line up to what you think they do. So a manager in one organization might be paid as a director in another. It just is a little bit different from company to company. And so I do think that streamlining the process, narrowing the applicant pool, and ultimately shortening the hiring process has made things you know, easier. So I would say those are all positive impacts that have come from pay transparency. The hiring process is definitely, I would like to say, simpler. But, you know, it still hasn't solved all the problems, but it's definitely helped a lot, I think, in getting the right people in the door for interviews to determine if they're the right people to bring into your organization. Yeah, I love that you mentioned how it streamlines. It really simplifies the process a bit, or at least takes out that mystery of salary and what a position will ultimately pay, which can negate certain candidates who would be a great fit. And all of a sudden you get to that point in the discussion and it takes them out of the equation, you know, out of the gate what you're willing to pay for the role. And if that's the right fit and the expectations are level across both the prospective employee and the employer or the hiring teams, you really eliminate that confusion, that awkward stage that can ultimately be time consuming for both the applicant and for anyone doing the hiring. For sure. It takes the heat off of the applicant as well. You know, there's you know so many applicant tracking systems that ask, what are your salary expectations? And you don't want to undercut yourself, right? So you don't want to choose something that you think maybe it's good for you. Maybe it's doable and feasible given your cost of living and your you know, personal situation. But you don't want to leave money on the tables. That was always such a struggle point. If you know going in, this is the range, I think you can be a little more educated in what you're going to be asking for or what you're going to be expecting if you were to get further along in the process and, and receive an offer. So yes. All around, there's a lot of positive aspects to pay transparency, for sure. Yeah. Eliminating that mystery and that feeling that you may be leaving something on the table from an employee standpoint, 
that's great. I think that is only smart in trying to build that employee-employer relationship and really make that productive the whole way through the hiring process and, and into employment. What are some of the concerns that may be accompanying pay transparency? Change is hard, right? So as HR teams are looking at incorporating pay transparency into their hiring process, either by requirement or as the way they want to go to keep up with trend, what are those concerns? Yeah, you know, HR teams really have their hands full. While it's such a great thing, particularly for incoming candidates and the hiring process as a whole, there's definitely a lot of concerns with the internal perception, the employee perceptions of pay transparency for the existing staff that you already have, right? So, you know, and that that transparency can also, it can build trust, but there can also be some trust issues that come out of um, pay transparency. If there's some negative reactions or dissatisfaction among employees, if there were maybe some significant disparities. So while you're lifting the cover up a little bit, you have to also be mindful as an HR professional, okay, how could this be perceived by existing employees? You know, will these disparities cause any trust concerns or angst or dissatisfaction? And ultimately managing through that, that's additional time, effort, and energy that the HR team then has to spend on yet another thing. <laughs> so, right. So there's definitely some, you know, concerns that kind of come along with um, putting these types of, um, you know, transparency policies in place. Ultimately, the hardest part of putting pay transparency practices in place is really just staying apprised of the compliance and the changes in the laws, really kind of staying in tune and in touch with different locations, whether it be state, city, locales who are requiring it. And then also ensuring that you're putting the right type of information on a job description that, or a job posting. And then also just ensuring that you're staying on top of any sort of cases or repercussions that have come from this. You want to learn from other companies that might be doing it wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where it almost becomes a full-time job trying to keep up with changes and case law and all these different things that are going to impact how your company shows up when it comes to pay transparency. So as nice as it is, there are some challenges and some additional work that HR teams are going to have to take on. Yeah, it would benefit teams to really keep their ear to the ground, especially as pay transparency becomes required in more and more states. Hear how teams are going through it, how they're navigating that and really learn from other teams' mistakes so that you can implement a process and the transition that it's smooth for your organization. The first red flag that jumped out to me looking at pay transparency was that exact thing that you, that you touched on, Lauren, existing employees. Now all of a sudden you've got transparency into, okay, filling new roles, here's what that salary expectation is. How does that compare to where I am in my current role? And that may be difficult to manage, but I'm sure there are steps to be done to ease that process and any concerns that might come up there. What, what comes to mind? What are some ways to combat some of those challenges? It's such a tricky conundrum because the pay transparency laws came down the pike. Yes, we heard of the concept, but when a lot of them were enacted, particularly in areas of the country where there's high, high density populations, yeah. it really came down to, okay, I have to be compliant. And that might mean that I have to start putting salary information out there before I'm ready to properly develop a communication strategy for our internal employees. So, you know, in an ideal world, we would be able to 
peel back the onion layers in a, a sequential way that actually helped to bring employees along with the process. But it felt like it was a bit of a rush. And I think a lot of HR teams were faced with, okay, well, we've got to put salary information on our job postings. So that means if we have to post a job for our business analysts and I have 40 business analysts in house right now, I am going to expect that I'm going to have trouble with business analysts because odds are in order to get talent in a very competitive market, which we've experienced because of the pandemic and because of inflation and all of these different things that have caused a lot of movement in the labor market, I'm going to have to go out to bid essentially on these job postings with my best offer in terms of a salary range. But that might not be what everyone's making on the inside. And so I think ultimately where we've seen HR teams really do it right is just really transparent communication with employees. You know, hey, we are in the process of evaluating our compensation structure. We are in the process of evaluating pay equity across the organization. And that's going to take us anywhere between, you know, two to three years to really establish how we're going to go about this, what changes are going to be made to ensure that everyone within a particular job uh, function and title is making relevant equivalent amounts of money based upon an experience and location. But I think it's also a little bit of an education process, too. So while it can improve pay transparency, can improve the hiring process. I think internally, it's more about helping employees to understand what your total rewards philosophy is, what your compensation philosophy is, and letting them know that disparities are going to be there. We know that. And we are going to work towards developing equity where we can. Will it all be equal? No, it won't, because some people are bringing different experiences, different education to the table. And so there's going to be a lot of nuances, but I think if you're adequately explaining that to employees, it is really going to help bridge the gap. But ultimately, you know, employees, we've spent the majority of our careers not sharing what we make. (laughs) Yeah, right. But it's simply, yeah, it's so true. So it's, you know, any sort of change in this arena is going to take some time for everyone to get there. I just always remind any of our, our clients, any HR teams that we work with that This is more of a marathon, not a sprint. Even though legislation forces us to have to sprint sometimes, we have to think about all the different components that that kind of come out of this change. And the only way that we're going to buy ourselves time is to be very transparent and communicate to employees and share. We're working through this and we're doing the best that we can now that we're working under a different set of circumstances. You boil it down perfectly with communication and transparency. That is the best way that you can approach any changes really in the process, but especially when it comes to pay, something that is near and dear to any employee as you're looking at, okay, that's part of what's defining my value and worth here. And and that's going to be something that isn't going to be taken lightly. You nailed it when you said conundrum at the start. I think it is a conundrum to navigate because you've also got a talent market that you need to attract and you need to be competitive. How do you create an attractive employee value proposition that you can put out in the marketplace? to draw top talent. And sometimes that needs to come with salary that maybe you can't match at the current moment to your existing employees, but communicating that there is a plan ahead and here's what the next steps will be in that process, that it's not the sprint. It is going to be a marathon. Clearly seems the best process to, to navigate pay transparency at this point. 
It really does help because I think, you know, when you're silent as an employer and you're not sharing that there is work being done, you do risk losing talent who thinks that they're not valued because of their salary not being as competitive as they expect it to be. So if you're very clear in your messaging, like we were just saying here, you know, if you're very clear and you explain the milestones that are going to take place as you're evaluating pay and compensation structure and whatnot, people who don't have any reason to leave, they might stick around, more than likely, will stick around to see, okay, will my pay be increased? Like, yeah, I'm willing to stick around for 10, 12 months to wait and see how things go. I don't want to, you know, develop new relationships and change my health insurance and all the things that come with starting a new job. If you're working through processes like this, you don't have to give away all the details, but just letting people know that it is something that is a project ongoing, that's something that they can expect to see some additional communication on, I think it does buy you some time. It does kind of reduce that risk of turnover or those people jumping ship when they know that, okay, they're taking a look at it. I'm one of those 40 business analysts that feels like they should be making $10,000 more okay, they're looking at it. I'm going to hold tight. And so it, communication is so key in anything that you're doing, particularly as you're managing people. And I, I think that the HR teams who have really done this pay transparency transition well have relied on that through the process. Yeah. It's a real opportunity for HR teams, for organizations to look at doubling down on their employee value proposition, on their total rewards for teams too, because Again, when pay transparency comes into a market, you've got to guess that your employees and that talent are gauging at least what's out there to measure what they're currently making. How does that compare to what's out there in the marketplace? So great opportunity, a great time to really double down on creating your best employee value proposition so that your current talent knows they're valued, they want to stay, and they're not really lured by potentially higher salaries elsewhere. It's definitely something that I think that employers are really starting to spend a lot of time on is, okay, we've spent our time kind of getting things stood up from a compliance standpoint. Now it's time to turn to, is our structure the right structure? How do we increase salary ranges? How do we adjust and reslot jobs? How do we look at things a little bit differently? So now's a great time for a lot of organizations to spend their time doing that. You just got to remember to tell people that you're doing it. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Back to communication. Now, Lauren, you touched on it briefly. And I want to circle back to the idea of pay equity. How is pay transparency affecting efforts in pay equity? Great question. You know, I see in my experience a lot of reductions in inequity through pay transparency because there's an ability to kind of, like we were saying before, kind of lift the cover. You're unveiling right. what used to be this tightly held secret in most organizations. And, you know, I see pay transparency really pushing the envelope and accelerating the work in pay equity. It's ultimately, there's some pros and cons, right? Because there is some risk that, you know, there could be some bias that kind of enters this whole process, that there could be reasons why pay transparency wouldn't positively impact pay equity. But from everything I am seeing, it's really kind of reducing inequity. It's improving perceptions. It's unveiling what used to be not available to a lot of employees. And now that they can see it and leadership can be more cognizant of it, I think that the conversation around compensation is not necessarily within a box anymore. It's definitely something that is a little more of a broad conversation. It's now becoming more a part of organizational goals to tackle pay equity 
And, you know, now that it's more known what type of salary ranges are out there for specific jobs, that data isn't all that different from company to company. There's a lot of titles and positions from different organizations. So, you know, just because my company might not be sharing exactly what business analysts are making today, I'm sorry, business analysts, I keep picking on you. But if my company's not sharing what that is today, I can easily go find that answer right now online. So I think equity is something that I'm seeing as a positive byproduct of pay transparency. I think that the more that organizations are focused on um, equity and closing any sort of pay gaps, I think what they're going to find is pay transparency is what's going to help you get there. So I do see the two as hand in hand. It's a very slippery slope, though, because I know that there are some organizations that may not be doing pay transparency all that well and maybe expecting pay equity to solve itself somehow. So I'm seeing a lot of organizations that are doing it well, and but I do know that there are some out there that, that may be falling short. Let's talk about it. Where do you see pay transparency and efforts in pay equity going off the rails and falling short of where it could be within HR teams and organizations? Yeah, you know, I would say limited understanding among people, managers, and leaders. If they have a limited understanding of a company's compensation policy, it really does hinder that effective implementation of pay transparency and it can lead to inconsistencies. Yeah. That that really does impact equity in a way that might be not intentional, but it, it does impact it. So if your leadership and all of the people managers within your company aren't necessarily to speed or don't have some great knowledge around it, there, there could be some missed opportunities to create consistency and to create equity. Now, I think, too, that there's a lot of highly competitive industries out there, too. So you know, too much pay transparency can also be seen as a competitive disadvantage. So right. I think sometimes that can create this like counterproductive result where we want to be transparent. We want to create equity over time. But if we're exposing a lot of our sensitive salary information to our competitors because we have to put it on a job posting, that may create some disadvantages for the talent acquisition process and retaining employees long term. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a delicate balance with building those pay ranges out, too. As you mentioned, you can be a bit too specific to where you put yourself at a disadvantage, but you could also again go too broad to where you're really just no better than you were prior to pay transparency, where there's still a lot of mystique and unsureness of where the salary actually is. For sure. For sure. You have to also consider compensation in general is more art than it is science in, in a lot of ways. And so there's a lot of potential for a bias in systems, processes that involve decision making that is not necessarily black and white. So if there's gray area, there is potential for bias. And this is one of those areas where pay transparency can go off the rails because there is some bias that is inherently a part of the process. And despite those efforts to achieve equity, that transparency, pay transparency can just inadvertently highlight the existing biases that already exist. And that can lead to disputes or challenges related to perceived fairness. And so it ends up being a bigger conversation than you may think. And so, yeah, I I think limited understanding, that competitive disadvantage, potential for bias, those are all things that can throw things off track. 
Yeah, certainly it's a process that needs to be looked at seriously, given a ton of attention, because again, if mishandled, can can really blow up in your face in certain cases. But there's a great opportunity with that. Let's take the positive spin here to really drive conversation with pay equity. And that's what I find really inspiring with pay transparency. That's going to drive that pay equity conversation and those efforts more than anything else when you've got all the cards out on the table. For sure. The end goal here is honestly to pay people what they're worth, what they're with the value right. they bring to the organization, regardless of, you know, race, gender, orientation of what whatever it is that was holding people back before. And so that's the end goal. It just, as we were saying before, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It takes time to change very antiquated practices that we've had instilled in organizations for a very long time. And, I, you know, I think continuing the conversation is so important because more and more companies are going to get to a place where in order to compete, they're going to have to show those ranges on job postings. They're going to have to unveil their secrets around compensation so that their existing employees want to stay. And so it's yeah. it's something that if you're not doing it today, you will be doing it. <laughs> Trust me. I'll yeah. yeah, right. We will get there. I think we're all collectively working toward that as again, state by state, you start seeing that more required. It's going to become more, I believe, more commonplace across the hiring practices um, that we're going to start seeing here in 2024. So for those teams, though, that are really looking to start pay transparency or are now being required to, to implement pay transparency into their hiring process. Where do you start? As you said, it's not a it's not a sprint. It is a marathon. So how do you really start that that marathon process? Yeah, you know, I would recommend that HR leaders, you know, really thoroughly understand the pay transparency laws that they may be subject to. So I'd say that's number one. So you got to look at that both from a federal and state levels to avoid any sort of legal issues and also just ensure a smooth implementation to begin with. So I would say that's like number one. But I think, you know, number two is really ensuring that you've already clearly defined and communicated your total rewards package. And if you, you know, we have to make sure that employees are thinking total rewards when they think about what they receive from their employer. So that includes salary, but that also includes benefits and any other perks. And so it's important to provide that holistic view to employees generally. So before you make any changes on pay transparency, you definitely want to make sure that you've clearly defined what that looks like and that you're well on your way to ensuring that employees understand that working at your organization is more than just a base salary number. And then you also just need to maybe do a quick temperature check too, like just ensuring that your organizational culture is ready for pay transparency. Right. You know, if you have to comply with laws and legislation, you don't really have a choice to, to kind of uh, take a breather and, and take the temperature here. But if you're, you know, one of those lucky ones who can, I really think that just kind of assessing, are we ready as an organization to roll this out? And if we aren't, what do we need to be doing? What barriers are we faced with and what changes need to occur before we are a little more transparent about pay? And then lastly, I think just developing that well thought out communication strategy, it all comes back to communications. You just want to make sure you really are conveying rationale behind pay transparency, addressing any concerns before they can be brought to your attention, you know, highlighting the benefits of it for both employees and the organization. I think when you help people to understand, they've definitely heard this term before, but sometimes people don't really know what it means and how it affects them. Right. I think if you really develop that communication strategy with that in mind to, to really convey the reasons and maybe give somewhat of a timeline of sorts, I think that's really going to help, really going to help to kind of execute on those first steps of implementing 
which should hopefully be a, a smooth, productive and positive process. Yeah. Give the why. Help your workforce understand why we're going through this process. Those are great tips for implementing pay transparency processes into hiring for, for many of these HR teams that are going to be looking at that over the next year. Thank you for those, Lauren. So again, we're here with Lauren Winans, CEO and Principal HR Consultant of Next Level Benefits. Now, Lauren, we're at a great point. Again, in early 2024, we can give some great advice to our audience of HR professionals. So going into 2024, what's one thing you'd like to see HR teams and employers start doing immediately and stop doing immediately? And that can be something broader than just pay transparency. Just generally speaking, what's one thing to start and one thing to stop? You know, one thing to start... Yeah, we've been talking a lot about pay transparency today. I'm thinking a lot about workforce strategy with a lot of our clients these days. And so what I would like to see HR teams and employers starting to do more of is to really think about your workforce structure and if it is serving your organization. Too many times I see the right structure isn't in place, meaning Maybe we're top heavy over here, don't have enough talent in these positions. This team, this department's a revolving door. Like really kind of digging deep into the why behind the workforce challenges that you're seeing within your existing structure and then determining if that structure makes sense. I'd really love to see more employers starting to do that. I think that when you don't proactively do that work, what you end up seeing is, you know, and I think we all know someone who has been laid off recently. You end up seeing these layoffs and these restructures that impact really talented people. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that person was let go. They're so talented. And really, you know, if you're proactive on the upfront of constantly looking at your workforce strategy and your workforce structure and ensuring people are in the right places, in the right jobs, at the right times, you're not going to necessarily have to do large mass layoffs to save money. Because if you're well positioned, you won't have that problem. So I'd really love to see employers and HR teams kind of focused on that in the immediate term. And then from a stop doing, honestly, I feel like HR teams have really been put through the ringer of these last handful of years. And so I don't necessarily think there's anything major that I would say stop doing, but I'd say something that is a pretty minor thing. Stop relying on your applicant tracking system to make hiring decisions for you. There you go. You know, really take a look at those filters and how that system is weeding out individuals who could be very talented folks to bring into your company. I think sometimes that technology works against us. And I think that a lot of applicant tracking systems just need to be tweaked a little bit to ensure that we're giving everyone a fair shake and that you're not necessarily losing out on some really talented candidates. Yeah, those are some great ones. Thank you for that, Lauren. Again, a great option to start and a great option to stop doing for HR professionals to make it a successful year. So I love those, Lauren. Those are great. So again, we're here with Lauren Winan, CEO and Principal HR Consultant of Next Level Benefits. Lauren, do you have anything you're excited about going into 2024 and anything you want to share with our audience about what you have going on with Next Level Benefits and anything personally? Floor is yours. Feel free to plug anything you've got going on. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, now Benefits has exceeded my wildest expectations in terms of what we've been able to achieve. It's been so wonderful for me to have this opportunity to leverage my HR experience and my, my decades of, of corporate HR positions in just a more unique way. And 
it's been challenging and fun. And I'm getting exposure to working with a lot of different clients and companies that I'm learning from every day. It's been fantastic. And I look to 2024 to being more of the same. I mean, we've fortunately been building year over year, increasing our client base, expanding the types of projects that we do and kind of leveraging our HR professional expertise, you know, to fill gaps on HR teams. And so if there's an opportunity for us to share more about what we do with you specifically, you know, you can always reach out to us. Our website is nlbenefits.com. That's next level, nlbenefits.com. Um, and you can always reach me at lauren at nlbenefits.com if you want to send me a quick email. But we're on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. We, we try our best to provide our followers with relevant content and information that can actually be used. You know, picking something up right. that's actually an editable Word doc and run with it and go put that policy in place. We try to make things as easy as possible for our clients because I know what it's like to be an HR professional and it's it is not easy. So, yeah, you know, 2024 is going to be a year of hopefully more excitement, more projects, um, more challenges. And I'm hoping that uh, that, yeah, yeah, 2024, the, the further we're away from the pandemic, I feel positive. I feel I feel like the sky's the limit. I love it. I'm feeling the positivity as well. And I'm excited for, for you and the team of Next Level Benefits going into 2024 this year. Again, you're offering just a great resource out to the HR community. So great to hear. And, and again, we'll share. You guys are easy to find, but we'll share links to all those great touch points through our post on hrdailyadvisor.com. And got to make sure I mention again that by the time we drop this episode, you'll have already been on a panel discussion as part of HR Compliance Week on HR Daily Advisor. That panel discussion is going to be future-proofed HR, where we're going to dig into adapting HR compliance methods to this modern workforce. So excited to have you on that. Again, by the time this episode comes out, it will have already gone live. So we'll have that on demand. So anybody out there listening who wants to check that one out with Lauren, certainly go to hrdailyadvisor.com. You'll find that on demand and would highly encourage doing that. Again, we're here with Lauren Wynan, CEO and Principal HR Consultant of Next Level Benefits. Lauren, before we let you go, now typically we end our podcast with that final question of what's the one thing that gets you motivated to start the day. But since we've already done that in your first episode, I'm going to change this one up. So going into 2024, what is a professional growth goal that you're setting for yourself? Oh, great question. You know, I have a couple that I think they're definitely going to stretch me for sure. All right. You know, one of them is to continue to network with great people. A lot of times in my career, I've been in a situation where I just haven't had the time to get to know people in my industry, to get to know maybe even some different vendors that might be trying to sell me something, whether it be in my HR days or, or not. You know, one of my goals this year is to really stay connected to my contacts, really kind of build out my connections. And I really encourage a lot of people to do that. You know, you never know when you're going to be in a situation where you could really need someone's help, you know, whether that's professionally or personally. I mean, I've met a lot of wonderful people professionally that I end up kind of relying on in some personal matters too. So it's it's definitely something that uh, is on my radar for 2024. Deepen those relationships with the connections that I have really kind of builds out my network and be as valuable to my connections as I possibly can be genuinely, you know, yeah. not, not looking for anything in return. That's so great. Right. Recognize the value of your network that, that we're all building up, whether it's personally or professionally and use that network. Don't be afraid to lean into that. And there's some great value there. Um, so that's fantastic. I love that as a goal for 2024. I might have to work that into my own, but 
Again, Lauren Winans, CEO and Principal HR Consultant of Next Level Benefits. Thanks so much for coming back on the HR Works podcast, being a repeat guest. We always love having guests come back on. So thank you for being a part of that distinguished crew. Uh, and we'll have to keep this conversation going again in the uh, near future. So again, Lauren, thank you so much. It was great chatting with you and have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.